The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and strategies to shake up the status quo in human resources and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. This is HR Trends with Game Changers presented by SAP. We're live. It's Tuesday, October 22nd, 2013. Where has the year gone? Hey, big show today. Today's buzz going global. Who isn't? Question for our listeners. Do you still consider your company a one country, one region organization? Hmm. If you said yes, I have news for you. It's time to check your traditional notion of borders at the door. If you're facing supply chain pressures, competitive realities, and staff mobility that force you into external markets for... Guess what? New sourcing, new customer opportunities, and new talent opportunities. I did a little look up on globalization of HR in the media, and I found some interesting quotes. Let me just read them briefly before I introduce my guests. At the shrm.org website, they said, Globalization of individual companies and capital markets has changed the business landscape. To respond, companies must manage their assets as effectively as possible, especially their human assets. You must adapt your own overall HR strategy to the new realities of global competition. I found something similar at yourbusiness.azcentral.com. They say the HR department must learn to recruit and retain talent on a global scale, but this presents a number of new challenges. And at the jimsjournal.org, they said the new global world has widened the talent pool for excellent and marginal workers and for permanent and fluid workers. I have a panel of three experts on this topic. Let me tell you what they said. They sent me some interesting quotes before the show. After the quotes, I will introduce them. First, we're going to be joined by Elmar Kranz from DDI, and I hope Diane Stester is listening today. And Elmar sent me this quote from none other than Kofi Annan, and the quote is, it's been said that arguing against globalization is like arguing against the laws of gravity. We all know how productive that is. We'll hear from Elmar and why he picked this interesting quote in just about a minute and a half. Joining us also is Beth Thebalt from Deloitte Consulting. She quoted Wayne Dyer, and the quote is, If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. I think that's what we used to call a tautology, like a Mobius strip, where it just goes around in a circle, and we'll find out about that circular reasoning from Beth in just a minute. But it makes sense. I'm ready to do it in my own life. And rounding out the panel is David Swanson from SAP. A long quote from David, but it's worth the read. Here we go. Competition is no longer someone down the street or in the same town. 
Chances are it's someone in a small and agile organization you never heard of operating on the other side of the world. Often before it's too late to react, they are quickly and quietly taking your best customers and your best people. A small part of your business at first or a key person. If we in HR don't react and think beyond the usual solutions now, and David Swanson capitalizes now, we and our organizations can quickly become re- irrelevant. Those are words to the wise. We've got to crochet those on a pillow somewhere, David, or put them up on the side of a building. So join us for the next hour for more insights on the globalization of AR. Yes, I am Bonnie D. Graham, and this is HR Trends with Game Changers. Let me introduce my panelists now that we've heard their pithy quotes, and we're going to get into that in a moment. Elmar Kranz is Vice President, Global Business Development for DDI, that's Development Dimensions International. He helps multinational organizations define and execute their global talent strategies, Having lived and worked in numerous countries and on three continents, Elmar says globalization is a daily reality for him. Welcome, Elmar Kranz. How are you today? Very good. Thank you very much, Bonnie. Glad to be here. Thank you. Where are you calling from, Elmar? I'm calling from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, you don't need a passport for that. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> we had a caller from Pittsburgh on one of our SAP Game Changers shows last week. How's the weather in Pittsburgh today? It's actually very, very nice. Sunny, a little chilly, but uh, really, really nice. So I enjoyed it with the weather at the moment here. I think we have the same weather system here on Long Island. Thank you for joining us, Elmar. And let's move to our second panelist. Beth Thebalt is a principal in Deloitte Consulting's Minneapolis office. She is the global SAP HCM Success Factors practice leader. In over 26 years in industry and consulting experience, Beth has led and delivered large transformation projects for clients, including, well, Beth, this is such a long list, but I'll call a couple of names, Caterpillar, ConocoPhillips, Ford, Eli Lilly, J&J, Merck, St. Jude Medical, and Target, excuse me for the French accent. Beth Thebault, welcome. Are you calling from Minneapolis today? I actually am. You sound great. I know you have a little bit of a cough, but you sound marvelous, darling. So thank you for calling in. How's the weather there in Minneapolis today, Beth? Actually, quite chilly. I was in uh, vacationing in Miami, returned yesterday to snow flurries, so it's not the greatest here in Minneapolis. Isn't that funny? I dreamed about snow last night. You're bringing it back to me. That's amazing. I was saying it's not snow. It's July. Yes, it was a funny dream. Thank you, Beth, for joining us. Appreciate it very much, and you do sound good. David Swanson rounds out our panel. David has more than 25 years of human resources management experience with a number of tech leaders, including SAP, where he is at the present time the Executive VP of Human Resources for SAP's Products and Innovation Organization. David is actively involved in the HR community. He's an adjunct lecturer with the University of California Santa Cruz Extension, a member of the Society for Human Resources Management. That's SHRM, and I quoted from their website before. And he is with the Northern California Human Resources Association as a presenter and facilitator. Welcome, David Swanson. How are you today? Thanks, Bonnie. I'm doing great. Where are you calling from? Well, I happen to be today in uh, Las Vegas. I just got back from two weeks in Europe, uh, and the sun is out. I think the sun always shines here in Las Vegas, so it's uh, beautiful weather here. Glad to know it. Are you a tech ed for any any possibilities? I, yep, I had a feeling. Yeah, you know what? This Thursday we're doing our series called Startup Focus with Game Changers live from Tech Ed. So you'll Fantastic. probably run into run into some of the people who were there. So let's get started with dissecting these quotes. Elmar Kranz from DDI, you're up first. It's been said that arguing against globalization is like arguing against the laws of gravity. Great quote from Kofi Annan. What's your thought on this, Elmar? 
Well, uh, you know, let me tell you just a very quick story. Uh, when I was on a, on a recent business trip to London, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm traveling quite a bit uh, to Europe. So I was coming out of the plane onto the jetty, and I saw this, this advert of a pretty well-known global bank that said, even the fastest small business uh, will be multinational. Uh, even the smallest business will be multinational. Uh, sorry mm-hmm. about that. So, you know, obviously I think we all know that, you know, technology, social media, borderless communication, uh, you know, global supply chain opportunities, you know, they all enable and, and, and I would even say, I think, drive to the world towards globalization. Uh, so, you know, the mom and pop shop that now can source some of their products from uh, across the globe or sell them uh, on, on eBay or Amazon, um, mm-hmm. I think it, it just uh, is a trend that can't be re- re- reversed. So that the, the, the world is, is, is globalizing. You know, a farmer in India now can can determine who to sell uh, at what price their produce to by checking their, 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 the stock market uh, on, on their cell phone. So, you know, I think that equally refers to, to HR, and, and that's the link that I want to make to today's topic. Uh, you know, we all know that I think people are the most important asset that companies have these days uh, in terms of productivity and market share and market capitalization. So if, if HR is not able to leverage, to maximize the opportunities they have with a global workforce, I think they just lose their strongest competitive advantage. So I think it's critical for us to talk about it in general as, as globalization, but especially for HR. Thank you, Elmar. I appreciate that. And as you were speaking, I was thinking that even you were mentioning small mom and pops, even sitting still, they're global, if you think about it. If they have a web presence, if they're selling globally, even just, as I said in my opening, if they consider themselves a one country, one region, one neighborhood store, it's possible they could have customers or somebody could be talking about them clear across the world. And in essence, that really does make them global, and they need to understand what the other markets are saying about them. Would you agree with that, Elmar? Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and as I said, it's a trend that can't be reversed, but you know, also offers tremendous opportunities for every business that really capitalizes on it and leverages the potential also of, of global talent that's out there. Okay, thank you very much, Elmar. Let's turn to Beth Tebalt from Deloitte. Wayne Dyer, quote, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. I love that. Is that circular reasoning, Beth? Talk to me. I think it is. You know, you're talking to somebody who actually is a finance and math background, so you wouldn't think you'd get the circular reference. But as I look at this and I think about HR, you think about in globalization, every day we're looking at different businesses, different talent, different people. And what HR can't do anymore is apply the things that they've you know, always relied on in the past. Yes, they can use the things that work, but things are changing on a daily basis. Where you're getting your talent from, what the talent is looking for from an opportunity perspective. And it's so critical, you know, they're looking at learning and development opportunities, how they're going to progress. Hey, I might want to work in the U.S. one day and the next day I might want to work some, or the next year I might want to work in Asia Pacific. How am I going, how am I going to get my talent ready for those moves? from both a retention perspective and from a business perspective. You know, you can't look at just, you know, on, on that side as well, what does the talent want? What does my business need? I'm going to be opening, you know, new locations in you name whatever country. What type of talent am I going to need there? How am I going to get that talent there? And HR really needs to look at those things differently. 
and um, and also from the other side, they also have to make their customers, you know, including their employees and the business, mm-hmm. look at them differently as well. And globalization has had a huge impact on that because not everybody is you know, kind of happening in the day. You have to be ready to move and change fairly quickly. Thank you, Beth. I was just thinking as you were speaking whether small companies, and, and I want to level set for my panelists, Elmar, Beth, and David, that we have a big audience here on the business channel at Voice America World Talk Radio, so we never want to exclude anybody who would say, oh, they're only talking about big enterprise, oh, they're only talking about startups. We like to keep the information relevant for all size companies. We're heard in at least 62 countries last count, so this is a perfect conversation. But Beth, quick question for you before I turn to David his his quote, Beth, does a company need to think about having an office on the ground, a footprint in another country if they hire a global workforce or can it just all be remote? What's your feedback? Just quickly. Really interesting. I think it can just be remote. The key there is what's the culture to create the connectivity to the organization, Mm -hmm. whether it's the internal customer or the external customer. Do you really need to see them? There's ways that you can have that connectivity but it's really dependent on the culture of the organization. Thank you very much. I tend to ask questions as they come into my mind while we're talking, so thank you for that. David Swanson, I saved two minutes for you at the end. I know you've got some challenges with the phone line, but we're glad you're back. David, you said competition's no longer someone down the street or the same town. It could be someone in a small and agile organization you never heard of. And where are they? Operating on the other side of the world. And then you say, if we in HR don't react and think beyond the usual solutions now, in caps, we in our organization can quickly become irrelevant. This sounds like do or die. Is it dire right now for HR to do this, David? Talk to me. Yeah, I think regardless of whether you're a big company, and I happen to work for a big company or a small company, and I've worked both, the Mm -hmm. the global footprint really now expands not only to your customer base, but also to your people that work for you and your, your future employees. I think organizations who may operate only in one location might think, well, I don't need to be aware of what's happening in Europe or Asia or North America if you happen to be a European based or Asian based company. But the reality is that that's where some of the best talent is coming from. And even if you don't have a need today, you need to be thinking about your brand and how you might attract those people going forward because chances are your customers operate globally, your supply chain comes from a global perspective, and if you as an organization aren't beginning to think about how you want to play at that global level, you're going to get left behind. It may not happen this year. It might not happen the year after, but it will happen sometime in in the near future. And I think in HR... We have a very unique opportunity to see across the the businesses that we support and really begin to ask some of those powerful questions about what are we doing to think about where our future customer base might come from? What are we doing to think about where the next generation of talent might come from? And what are we doing to be a player in those markets versus somebody watching from afar? Thank you, David. We're just about ready for break, but I want to read something from a point you told me before the show. You said the best early talent, and we'll save this for the roundtable, the best early talent, particularly technical talent. So if you're listening to the show and you're a tech company, listen up. David says the best early talent, particular technical, is coming less and less from U.S. and Western Europe. The explosive growth in science and technology early talent is coming from, wait for it, China and India. Aha, no surprise. On that note, we're going to take our first break. Don't even think of touching that dial, that app, that mouse. You're listening to Globalization of HR here on HR Trends with Game Changers. I'm speaking to Elmar Kranz from DDI, Beth Thiebald. Beth, you still sound good despite the cold from Deloitte and David Swanson from SAP. We'll be right back. Lots more great conversation. Brad, out. Out. 
comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. With companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today, HR tactics must be comprehensive and precise. Today's reality, your HR department is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges, and more. The bottom line, you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Enjoying HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to HR Trends with Game Changers. Here we are, and you know what happens at the top of the second segment. It's time to ask my guests, what's in your cup today? Why do I do that? Because HR Trends with Game Changers is part of what I call the franchise of our flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. And we're very curious here. So I'm going to be curious and ask Elmar Kranz, a VP for Global Business Development for DDI. Elmar, what's in your cup today, or what do you want us to think? think that's in your cup today, or what do you wish you were drinking? Any of the above. Elmar? I, I am actually drinking a Diet Dr. Pepper, uh, and you know, the reason for that is, um, you know, I'm, I'm traveling quite a bit uh, based, on, based on my, and I've lived in so many different countries. I always try to acclimate, acclimate myself when I get to a different country. It's kind of the, the drink that everybody drinks, and I always felt that Dr. Pepper is such an American drink that I just, uh, you know, the time that I spent here in, in, in the U.S. and in Pittsburgh in, in our headquarters, I just have to drink something really American. Uh, but I'm, when I'm traveling, traveling to Europe, in Germany, obviously, I drink a lot of beer, and in, in England, a lot of tea. Uh, when, I, when I travel to Russia, it's, it's typically vodka, which, which can, can be detrimental to some of the business meetings. But uh, that's the fun of it. I love the global drink menu. Thank you. We have a, a sometime analyst, well, a full-time analyst who's a sometime or regular guest on the Coffee Break show, and I think he drinks Diet Dr. Pepper warm. And people actually know him by reputation because he's always drinking that for breakfast. So you're in very good company there, Elmar. Let's turn to Beth Thebalt from Deloitte in Minneapolis. Beth, what's in your cup today or tell me? I am on my second decaf skinny latte. You might be surprised that it's decaf, but I like skinny lattes, and so I don't want to get too jazzed up during the day. And I think maybe the more unique part about it is I am in my uh, working from my home city today, and what I do is I actually bring my golden retriever with me to the local coffee shop, and she gets a latte as well, which really consists of whipped cream. So she gets her little cup of whipped cream, and every, every time when I'm getting ready to go, she's at the door ready to go because she, she knows it's going to be her treat time too. 
That's very sweet. I don't think we've ever had a pet coffee order on the show. There's always a first time. David Swanson, you certainly need your energy to navigate Tech Ed for the next couple of days. So may I ask, what are you drinking today, David? Yeah, absolutely, coffee. In uh, my other life, I own a series of small coffee shops with a friend of mine. So wherever I travel, I always try to find a local coffee shop because that's where you can find both, I think, the really good coffee, but both the most interesting people. So it's normally, for me, a cup of Mexican, which comes from the southern part of Mexico. It's a nice, uh, sweet coffee that roasts really really well and uh, has a lot of caffeine in it to get me going in the morning. Wonderful. Do you want to drop a brand name? What the brand of? Are you still an investor or an owner in that uh, yeah, coffee I still company? Own half of it. It's called Surf City Coffee, and it's located over in Santa Cruz, California, along the coast. We have a couple of stores uh, up and down the coast there. Do you have a website or a hashtag yeah, or a handle? SurfCityCoffee.com. We're not beyond doing a little brand recognition here, David. Thank you very much. Now that we've got, well, let's see. Tom, I'm waiting for what Tom is drinking. He hasn't tweeted to me yet, but Tom, Tom is the uh, the manager or the logistics king of HR Trends Radio. But I'll tell you what I'm drinking today. It's only water. They, Beth, they don't let me have caffeine on radio show days. I don't know why, but we'll talk about that later. So let's get going with the roundtable segment. Tom will read your coffee order later. So Elmar Kranz from DDI. I'm, I'm looking at some of the points you sent me before the show, and I want to talk about this one. For implementation of global HR programs, the globalization trends calls for significant changes in how global HR teams allocate time, resources, and budgets to design and execute their initiatives. There's a lot packed into that statement. Elmar, give us a, a hint where you want to go with that, and then I'm going to have David and Beth join in, and we'll, we'll discuss it. Talk to me. Well, you know, I, in, in my job, I, I have to think a lot about how can, can we as an organization, but also our clients that we support, uh, truly implement uh, any HR uh, programs, any talent management programs uh, that, that really, you know, impacts their workforce, you know, make them stronger, more competitive, and so forth. Uh, the, the problem is with that is that I think we've all gotten enamored with a lot of the kind of the, the new kind of sexy stuff that's out there. Uh, you know that's that's uh, you know that makes people uh, maybe uh, react very positively to it and you know have a lot of fun, but that might not be um, as sustainable as 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 it should be and might not have a long-lasting impact that organizations need with with developing, for example, their their workforce. So one of the things that uh, that really is, I think, on on my mind every single day of the of the week, is what are the the things that uh, HR but also uh, leadership uh, and line management need to do in organizations that really make that long-lasting impact. It is, and it is, in, in, in based on our experience and research, a lot about how you implement and how you manage an implementation. And I think it's, it's probably very similar to, to things like a, a software implementation. Uh, you know, the, the, the original design needs to be strong and, and, and basic, uh, but... Uh, the implementation, how you roll it out, how you involve your local partners, uh, and especially for global HR, uh, to think that you know one corporate center uh, for a large or mid-sized uh, global company is able to make all the decisions that uh, your local partners in your regions and your countries will implement, and actually uh, the workforce will, will, will respond to that, I think it's just going away. Uh, so a borderless um, uh, organization, uh, cross-functional teams, and thinking about um, a global consistent approach, but still with that local flexibility, I think this, mm-hmm. this needs to take a lot of time so that people make it long, long-lasting and sustainable. 
Sounds very good. Beth, you want to chime in on this one? I know you have a lot of experience and a strong point of view on this in terms of what HR has to do to make these significant changes if they're going to be truly global. What's required from your point of view? I think I'll pile on a little bit to what Elmer said about, Mm -hmm. you know, really looking at, you know, globalization and consistency and things like that. What I'm finding with many of my clients is, you know, especially in HR, I, I hate to say it like this, but they'll look for the things that don't work. What are the things that really will work globally and really focus on those things? There's a lot more similarities um, than differences, and you have to give credence to the differences or the localizations, as Elmar says. Um, but, but really, you know, like I said, focus on those things that can be global, bringing the organization together, and that tends to drive things such as standardization, potentially some cost benefits and those kind of things. But then, of course, you do have to adjust for the things that need to be local. So having room for both of those, but start with that, the the things that are the most similar. It's human nature to go to the things that won't work. And I find Mm -hmm. that organizations spend a lot of time looking at that. And yes, again, it needs to be addressed. But really, what are those things that you can make work? And then how do you measure it? And how do you bring that forward to the rest of the organization, whether it's a software implementation, a program implementation, those kind of things? How do you continue to keep it alive? And I think that's really critical when you're looking at global organizations. Thank you. And David Swanson, I want to bring you in, but I I have a talking point here I'd like to add to the conversation from you. You say going global means being willing to give up the center, and you expand on that. You say truly global organizations have realized they cannot continue to make decisions only centrally, expect international locations to look and feel like corporate, and most important, expect all talent to want to come work in the home office to advance. Tell me, what's what's the part you'd like to emphasize for this conversation, David? Well, I think it's an extension of what both Beth and Omar are talking about, this idea mm-hmm. that if you are going to operate globally, you really need to think of the perspective of the end users. I think to think that what works in the central location, whether it's here in North America or in Asia or Europe, works everywhere else, uh, is really, I think, uh, where a lot of organizations get themselves in trouble. I think it's also important that, uh, and I, it was Beth's point, I would think, which was great, and that is we need to really stop looking for the differences and look for the similarities. And when you start doing that, you find out that there's an amazing amount of similarities, regardless of where you're culturally brought up or what location you happen to live in. And to really build sustainable programs, we've learned that you have to be able to find those things that are common across the organization, and that's how you get people to buy in. If you're constantly trying to force different views Uh, views that might be appropriate for one culture on the entire culture, you're going to find people uh, will push back in a million ways and you'll never have success. Having said that, you can't run 85 different leadership programs in an organization. uh, And at one point, SAP had about that many leadership programs running around the world. So there are some big ticket items uh, around total rewards, around leadership, around your culture and what you believe your people should be doing that have to have a common theme. But the key to that success is getting buy-in from key people in those locations so they don't feel like it's being forced on them. They feel like they actually participated in designing and then are much more uh, able to advocate for whatever you're trying to put in place. Sounds like there needs to be a fine line, a balance between what happens to has to be centralized, what has to be homogenized and made truly global, meaning one size fits all, and what can be local or what we call sometimes global 
the global local flavor. Uh, let's open this up to everybody. I have a question for all three panelists. Where does this come from? Let, let's talk about let's talk about SMEs, mid-size to large SMEs, not big enterprises. The day has come; it has arrived when they have to have an awareness that their markets are expanding, their supply chains are expanding. They have people who would be great talent to add to their pool who are not located, let's say, in the U.S. Where does that acknowledgement come from, David, Elmar, Beth? Does it come from somebody down the line who says, hey, I have a friend over in India who'd love to work for, the, for our company. He's a great tech designer, but he doesn't want to come here, but we're going to have to talk to him and, and give him a job there. Does it come from a supply chain person saying, you don't have a presence here, we need somebody on the ground? Does it come from outside, inside, and if inside, how high up in the organization, where does the tail wag the dog or the dog wag the tail? David, Elmar, Beth, somebody? Uh, sure, I'll start. This is uh, this is Elmar, and mm-hmm. um, being a German, I, I, I've, I've done quite a bit of work with uh, you know, especially that that mid-size, uh, small to mid-size uh, market segment, uh, and there there's a tremendous amount of these uh, small to mid-size companies in Germany that are market leaders in their niche, and that have um, done work internationally for many many years, but now have also uh, you know really appreciated the need to think global. Uh, in everything they do, not just in the mm-hmm. supply chain, not just in terms of where the, the, end, the end users, the buyers sitting of their products, but also where does the talent need to come from that actually helps them sell, uh, develop the market, uh, and maybe even manufacture some of these things in a market like China. So I think there's a recognition at the top at these companies, uh, but there's also, I think, when it's really, when a rubber really hits the road, I think, is when they see that some of the local talent that they bring into the organization, that all of a sudden they come up with approaches or ideas that they just haven't come up with in the corporate headquarters. So I think it, it, is, it is almost then from, from both sides, there's a recognition at the top, and then there's, there's the, the many examples that organizations then experience that, that show them there's tremendous talent that comes with different approaches to our business than what we have figured out before. Thank you, Elmar. Anybody want to jump in before the break? I'm almost at the wall here. David, Beth, want to add something to what Elmar contributed? Yeah, I guess the piece I would add, Bonnie, and it sort of follows on the quote of the talent. I mean, the, the brightest and some of the best talent now is coming out of markets that traditionally have either wanted to migrate to the U.S. or Europe. And now that there's established uh, business opportunities for those people, they want to stay in their home country. So the smart organizations are thinking about how to set up innovation centers in those locations, partnering with key universities, working with partners and customers to really co-innovate. And that's where I think the, the real opportunity to connect comes versus just thinking, well, we should go global. Let's go hire a few people and see what happens. There has to be a much deeper strategy than that. Thank you. That's what I want to pick up with when we come back from break, talking about the deeper strategy. We're also going to talk about something from Beth Thebald from Deloitte Consulting. She says communities of expertise rather than centers of excellence will help drive the global community. We'll pick up with Beth when we come back. You're listening to HR Trends with Game Changers presented by SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Very privileged to be speaking today with Elmar Kranz from DDI, Beth Thebald from Deloitte Consulting, and David Swanson from SAP. A lot more on our topic of the globalization of HR. I don't care where you are in the world, how big or small your company is, this matters. Great topic. Listen up. We'll be right back. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
With companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today, HR tactics must be comprehensive and precise. Today's reality, your HR department is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges, and more. The bottom line, you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're enjoying HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at twitter hashtag sapradio now let's get back to hr trends with game changers Welcome back, and I have breaking news here from Tom Flanagan, our logistics maestro for the series. His coffee drink order came in a little bit late, but here it is on Twitter. I just washed down my vitamin D supplement, he's so healthy, with a tall glass of ice-cold filtered Brita water. Thank you, Tom, for that. I guess he's not having caffeine today either. We're talking about globalization of HR, a big topic. Sometimes it's hard to get your arms around it, even conceptually. Do you really have to globalize HR? What does this mean? How do you establish a program? Where does start in your organization? How broad does it have to go? Does it mean on-the-ground offices? Does it mean remotely managed employees from where? Let's continue the conversation with David Swanson from SAP. David, continue where you left off, please, and then we're going to get Beth in on something else. So talk to me. Sure, Bonnie. I think any HR strategy has to follow the business strategy. So understanding mm-hmm. where your business potential is to expand, where new customers might be located, supply chain opportunities, really should be the lead in any HR strategy around globalization. And then from there, I think it really needs to be thought through, what are you trying to accomplish? Are you trying to acquire new customers? Therefore, you probably need experienced people. Are you looking for new and bright ideas? Then you're probably looking more at an innovation center where you might be looking at early talent. I think, unfortunately, what most organizations do is they launch by sending two or three of their executives to some location uh, who have really no idea of the culture or how business gets done, and then they wonder why results don't happen. Or they hire a couple of people who maybe worked their way through a number of organizations in a global uh, location without really understanding the corporate strategy and the corporate culture. And I think those are both recipes for failure. Where smart organizations begin is really thinking, what is it we're trying to accomplish, and how do we then put together an HR strategy that helps drive results and, and measurable results in that area? So have a goal in mind. David, would you mind giving me an example if you can, and you can name names if you want to, or just generically, what are some of the, how would they know they have that disaster by just sending a couple of execs over and say, okay, go hire a couple people, bing, we're, we're done, and no real initiative behind it, no real plan. What's, what is the worst that could happen? How would they know it has flopped or come back to bite them? Yeah, I think one of the, the most alarming statistics is the return rate of people who take expatriate assignments. I think the last statistic I saw is close to 85% of those people leave the company that they were repatriated to within 12 months of returning to the home. And so you can think about the, it's the amazing investment the company's made in that individual and their family and that individual's made in the company and then have that walk out the door within 12 months. I think that's where, to me, it's most alarming 
uh, and, and certainly most expensive to the enterprise, but more importantly, more expensive to those relationships you're trying to build with new customers in those locations. Thank you. Great example. You know, there's something interesting about radio. It's all soundbite, so our listeners love to have a takeaway, and that's certainly quotable. Thank you, David. Beth Thiebault from Deloitte Consulting. I want to talk about communities of expertise, you say, rather than centers of excellence will help drive the global community. Just define for me, please, Beth, what is a community of expertise? How does it differ, and what are the similarities with a center of excellence? And do you have any examples? Well, when you think about it, um, I'm going to start actually with the centers of excellence. You know, when you think back to the HR operating models of Dave Ulrich and, and his time, really around some of those things of what are our total rewards programs going to be, um, compensation programs, those things that often started in what I'll call the center, kind of corporate, whether, you know, small company, mid-company, large company. You know, it was kind of, uh, you know, over there at corporate. And the programs would be designed for everybody, trying to kind of fit everybody. And for all very good reasons, right? You want to have kind of the same culture and feel and whether it's benefits packages and how you approach that from an organization perspective. But then as the, the business and the world, you know, has become increasingly global, going back to the things we talked about earlier, there, there are differences in culture, there's differences in countries, there are differences in regulations that instead of having this corporate driven center of expertise, which, which is important, these mm-hmm. communities of okay, what do we need to do a bit differently in order to attract the talent in a different uh, culture and a, a different area of the world? And how do, we sh- how do we create that community so that we can uh, give suggestions and ideas? Hey, this might, here's the core of the program, but if we just tweaked it this way, we would be better able to retain some of our talent. And really being more inclusive versus more of that, you know, somewhat hierarchical sitting at corporate making all, making all the rules from an HR perspective. So really much more what the word says, community versus a mm-hmm. center. The center kind of implies walls. The community yes. implies sharing of information and really seeing that being very important from an HR perspective. Beth, any examples of companies you know you've worked with through Deloitte Consulting that have instituted, established successfully what you call the community of expertise? Interesting, and you think about it as we're talking to a lot of the technology companies. So if you look mm-hmm. at, say, like an eBay or the Googles, you know, those type, they're much more community-oriented or versus that center of expertise, much more willing to hear differences and suggestions. And not, you know, not real surprising given how quickly the tech market is changing, but we're seeing that a lot. And then we're also seeing a lot of what I call the life sciences organizations picking that up as well as you think about the business and how that's moving more globally. Thank you. Elmar Kranz, DDI, agree, disagree with what we're talking about, communities versus centers with implied walls. What's your experience from the from the uh, perch of DDI, Elmar? Yeah, I, I would, would fully fully agree and just build a little bit on what, what Beth said. I think, Please. you know, it, it is one of these things where, you know, uh, I think companies look for modern approaches to how to look at problems and different problems differently. And I think in, 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 a, in a globalizing world, the problems have become bigger, more complex. And centers of excellence, you know, the notion of centers of excellence always, we are the expert, we know it all, and maybe we, we, you know, we do a little more research. But the communities are, I think, learning much more akin to a learning organization. Uh, and ideally, they are cross-functional, so they bring in different ideas and don't deal with kind of the, uh, the problems of silos. 
So I think it is a much more modern approach to, to think and solve some of the more complex and global problems than the centers of excellence in the traditional way. Thank you. David, let's talk specifics now about where the talent is coming from. I mentioned this at the end of the first segment. You say the best early talent. First of all, I'd like you to define early talent. You say particularly technical talent is coming less and less from U.S. and Western Europe. The explosive growth in science and technology early talent is coming from, and as I said before, no surprise, China and India. And then you add, these people want to stay home. So you must rethink your sourcing strategy and be prepared to innovate, design, and deliver in these high-growth locations. So that means local to me. That means you've got to have a global, global, local presence. Talk to me, David. What's, what's the research on this? Is it uh, tech is all coming from China, India, any other countries or regions? Well, so the most growth in terms of people coming out, and by early talent, we define that as anybody who's within two years of graduation, so they could have had a first job. But if you look okay. at the statistics, the numbers are dropping in North America and Europe. If you look just at science and, uh, and engineering, it's sub-15% of people that are graduating with degrees in those areas. But if you look at India and China, it's moving into the 30 40% rate in terms of where mm. the talent's coming from. And more importantly, those people who are graduating from India and China traditionally would have applied for a visa and come to work for the corporate company either here in North America or in Europe. But more and more, they want to stay home. Their families are there. Their life is there. Mm -hmm. And so organizations who don't have a strong presence that can't uh, attract and retain early talent won't get access to the best people that are coming out of the hottest markets. Very interesting. Now, Let's flip around a little bit. I mentioned during the show earlier that we have a, a vast audience here on the Business Channel. We really don't know who they are, but I know we have startups. I know we have midsize. I know we have, obviously, an enterprise audience. Let's talk about starting companies. I know we have a show on Thursdays called Startup Focus with Game Changers, but let's do a little startup focus here on the HR trends. What's your advice? Uh, let me start with you, David Swanson, and then we'll go to Elmar and Beth. We have uh, four minutes left in this this part of the show and plenty of time. So let's talk about what advice would you give to startups in terms of having that global perspective, putting on their global glasses, if you will, from the time they're sitting down at the table, they're saying, well, we know the world is global. We know the markets are global. We know there's great talent out there. It's not in the next county. So how would you have them design a set of HR initiatives that will embrace the globalization of HR from the get-go. David Swanson, any advice? Yeah, I think initially they have to be open to talent being located in different areas. With today's technology, telepresence, and other ways, there is easily ways for, to virtually connect, so everyone doesn't have to sit in the same room. In addition, you know, they can also think about partnering with other startups. We're, we're doing a number of startup forums where we're bringing companies together and encouraging them to co-innovate across borders, uh, and they can then get themselves a foothold in countries where they may not operate. And then I think the third area is also if they have customers that operate on a global basis, to work with them and co-innovate uh, with their, their employees as well as their supply chain. And I think that's a great way to get started. And it really has to start with that expanded view, because if it doesn't, it's almost impossible to catch up. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. That's the little nut of wisdom I was looking for in there. Thank you, David. Uh, Elmar Kranz from DDI. Add to that. What do you think? Agree with David? You want to add something for advice for startups on yeah, globalizing their HR? Absolutely agree with, with, with David. Uh, you know, a couple of things that come to my mind uh, when I think of, of startups. You know, A, I think it, it really depends. I think the, the success of a startup, you know, there needs to be, you know, obviously a good, a good business idea behind it. But, but then it really depends on the people that you got get on board quickly. And, you know, looking back at, uh, you know, Jim Collins, good to great, 
uh, you know, the, the right people on the bus, uh, you know, first mm-hmm. the people on the bus. And, and, and then, you know, I think you'll, you'll be able to execute a strategy. And obviously, you want to look for people with a global mindset, with an experience that can guide you. But when you're small, and obviously, you, you know, in terms of leveraging scale and so forth, um, you know, you obviously have some limitations there. And, you know, I've, I've worked with a number of, uh, of some of these startup companies in recent uh, times when I, when I just uh, got a little under the hood how they're doing it. And some of them, they, 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 they do things like crowdsourcing and say, you know, uh, we, we, we don't have all the ideas in-house, we, but we need to tap into the potential of some of the experts that we have globally in our field that can help us either uh, develop a business, uh, be close to customers, and so forth. So, you know, instead of trying to hire a whole big workforce quickly, uh, mm-hmm. which I think increases your risk as a business, uh, you can start also with some innovative approaches and tap into the potential that you find in the marketplace. Thank you, Elmar. And Beth Thiebault from Deloitte Consulting. Beth, I can give you about 45 seconds here before we hit our break. So talk to me. What do you think? Advice for startups on globalization of HR early or later? Um, What I really have seen some startups be really successful at is looking at organizations where, frankly, they've already gone through globalization and they've had to expand, you you know, all all over. And then you have a lot of executives or even mid-market folks who are kind of done with their career and they'd love to help a startup figure out what to do. I've seen, you know, numerous might be a little bit of, 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 of a stretch there, but there are many out there who have lived through this who would love to have to help and provide advice to companies on how they can put in, whether it's programs, structures, those kind of things, in order to become more global as a startup. And I'd really tap into that, you know, from a local perspective, too. What, whatever country you're in, there's, you know, very successful companies with a lot of executives and min, mid-market people who would be very happy to discuss that with the, with the startup organization. Great idea, Beth. Thank. I hear you talking about recycling intelligence and not letting it go fallow out in the field of what we some people call retirement and uh, in mentoring. It sounds like great ideas. Thank you, panel. You know what? We're up against our last break. When we come back, it's time for the crystal ball segment. I'm going to ask Elmar Kron from DDI, Beth Thebault from Deloitte Consulting, and David Swanson from SAP now at TechEd to go out in the garage just for a second, David, and find a garage and polish off that crystal ball. I know it's out there somewhere. Come back, and we're going to talk about your predictions if we had this conversation five years from today what would we be saying about the globalization of hr would everybody be doing it or not so much i'm bonnie d graham you're listening to hr trends with game trains we'll be right back brad out from the boardroom to you voice america business network with companies like yours competing aggressively for top talent today, HR tactics must be comprehensive and precise. Today's reality, your HR department is faced with the demands of a multi-generational and globalized workforce, diversity and inclusion policies, work-life integration challenges, and more. The bottom line, you need to attract and retain the best fit talent to support your strategies and goals, optimize your employee engagement, and become an industry-leading employer of choice. HR Trends with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. 
always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Enjoying HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to HR Trends with Game Changers. We are, and it's time for our final segment called The Crystal Ball. During the break, I asked my three guests, Elmar Kranz from DDI, Beth Thebalt from Deloitte Consulting, and David Swanson from SAP to get that chamois, that old silk scarf, that polishing cloth, that piece of old banky. Go out and find the crystal ball, polish it off, and tell me if we had this conversation five years from today, or you pick your own time frame. It's your, your blue sky. It's your crystal ball. We were talking about the globalization of HR five years from today or whenever. Would we have the same conversation about how companies should look beyond the borders, about communities of expertise versus centers of excellence, about startups looking globally, about initiatives that are tied to the business and not just what does HR feel like doing this week. So let's start off with the crystal ball with Elmar Kranz from DDI. Elmar, can you see five years ahead or tell me? Well, you know, I, I, I probably would, would look, you know, maybe you know five to ten years ahead. Um, because, Good. You know, I, I do, I, I do see some, uh, I think, significant changes happening, and, mm-hmm. and they just have to happen. So, you know, I think there's no way back. Um, but I think HR at the moment is a little bit at a crossroads, um, and I explain that in a, in a second. But, you know, I just want to take a step back and say, you know, if we take about talk about globalization of HR, we talk about a, a function. But, but really, we're not talking about a function. We're talking about uh, the role of that function, and that is managing and maximizing the assets that they have in their global talent, their global workforce. And there's one interesting statistic that I always go back to, and it's uh, from the, by the Brookings Institute, and they determined that the, the impact of uh, tangible assets versus intangible assets on success of the companies in terms of market capitalization. And they found that on average, 80% of the market capitalization of large companies is related to the intangible assets. And that's, mm. you know, people and IP and those kind of things, and, and mm-hmm. not the factory or your machinery. Uh, and that's up from about 40% in, in the mid-'80s when companies thought, uh, thought, yeah, I mean, most important still our product and our machinery and our, our assets like the factory. So that has changed, and I think with globalization, it will even change more. Uh, and, you know, the questions will become bigger and the need for doing that, um, for focusing on talent is becoming bigger. One of the things that I think HR needs to do, and that's where they are at the crossroads, it's becoming more business relevant, as, as I think David mm-hmm. pointed out before. And I would see, you know, that managing your global talent like a global investment portfolio would be good advice to HR. Because every serious investor and even half-decent half private investor is looking at a portfolio and makes changes and manages that portfolio almost on a daily basis. And we often don't do that with talent, and especially mm-hmm. with talent that is as diverse as a global workforce. And also David said something about the investment we make in expatriates. We often put up a huge amount of money to send people somewhere, and then we don't manage that investment well. 
So I, I do think that we need to, to do that, which I think requires HR also to do much more, much concrete measurement and almost an evidence-based based HR. And we've seen it in the healthcare industry and in other industries where that happened, and I think it also needs to happen in HR. I, I, I am optimistic that it can happen, but I think mm-hmm. the pressure is on HR to do that. Do you think that the evolution is happening, that it's in progress, where they're getting the message, Elmar, where they're understanding it, where people coming new into the HR function are coming in with the notion that we have to globalize if it's not already happening here, meaning in the company that hires them? Do you see that trend coming to light in companies with new HR talent coming on board? I, I, I do think so because, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a mindset shift that I think has happened in the business already, and they just demand it. So I think we will see the pressure on HR to also create a borderless organization with borderless HR, people without a country, so to speak, and without kind of the limitations of of silos. Uh, And, you know, I think that's that's what what HR needs to respond to. But I think it will because there's there's just too much pressure from the business that knowing that people are the most, the, the competitive advantage that that investment needs to be managed on a global basis with a borderless HR organization. Thank you, Elmar. We have a nice tweet here from DDI World. It's quoting you, Elmar Kranz on SAP Radio. That's our hashtag, Pants on SAP Radio. Quote, when we talk about HR, we should be talking about maximizing asset of talent, not just a function. Now let's move to Beth Thebold from Deloitte Consulting. Beth, take a minute and a half. I know your throat's a little sore and you've been doing great, by the way. You sound wonderful. Beth, what is your prediction for globalization of HR five years from now, please? HR is really going to get, I think, within the next five years, I wish it would be three, but I think it's going to be five, they're really going to have a handle on what I'll call the analytics and the measurement part, a little bit what Elmar said as well, on where is our talent, what are the, you know, where do we need it, how do I use the data that I have on my current talent and where I think the business is going, and how can I do effective workforce planning. I think they're going to get there. I think there's underlying enabling technologies that are helping HR to gather that data now. They're going to get some trend analysis, and they're really going to be able to help the business do much better from a talent planning perspective. Frankly, I think we've been talking about it for about the past three years. Everybody's talking about analytics. I do think now, though, what I've seen is that HR is getting their arms around it, and they're making progress as it relates to that, and the business is starting to see the results. So then they're going to continue, almost like my quote earlier, there's going to be that circular demand basically. Okay, now you guys get it. Mm-hmm. Now what's next? This is what I need to do. Here's the information I have. What, how, why is this going to work for me? And I think it's, you're going to see HR really step, step up, frankly, because they're going to have that data behind them versus just that gut feel and the who knows who you know, from the past. Thank you, Beth Ebald. Appreciate the insights. And let's wrap this up with David Swanson from SAP at TechEd. And I keep saying TechEd because I'm leading into something else in my closing, David. So what is your perspective on globalization of HR? Can you look five years ahead for me, David Swanson? Yeah, I think Beth was spot on. I think HR has to move from action to impact. The business is tired of us talking about redesigning the performance management system. They really want us to lead the talent agenda for the business in partnership with our key business leaders, and that talent strategy has to be global. Whether you only operate in one particular city or one state or one country is going to become quickly irrelevant because your supply chain, your customer base, and your future talent will come from places all over the world. If we're not driving that, no one will. 
And if mm-hmm. we're not front and center thinking about the business impact of being global, then we're going to miss opportunities, and we can, in fact, see our companies become irrelevant as we continue to play on a local space when the world's moving global. So we have a unique view across the enterprise. Uh, some great work done by a guy named Peter Sheehan out of the U.K., where he believes that in HR we have a unique opportunity to see the business from end to end. Really, no one else has that opportunity. What we do with that will, will drive the success not only of our careers, but more importantly of the organizations that we support. So we can ask the powerful questions. We can look at where the trends are. We can provide fact-based decisions, as Beth talked about. And we can be a relevant player at the table, or we can be an observer that talks about uh, action. Thank you, David. Time for Bonnie to wrap up, and I wrote my predictions down. Let's see what we've got next week here on HR Trends with Game Changers. That will be Tuesday, October 29th. We'll be talking about talent trends, something our panelists alluded to today, HR analytics. What do they look like today? What's the future for analytics? How important are they, and how can they help you next Wednesday? Let's see, next Wednesday, yes. I'm sorry. Tomorrow is Wednesday. Yes, October 23rd. I'm jumping ahead. Coffee break with Game Changers. Very important topic. Part two, compliance. We're focusing on anti-bribery, anti-corruption. It could come from anywhere. Your trusted employees, your trusted consultants, or outside forces. You want to hear about this important topic. Part two. And this Thursday, October 24th, live from TechEd. There's my reference, David. We're going to be talking to a couple of startups, talking about pounding the pavement from pitch to positioning. I've alliterated the P. Yes, I have. We're going to be talking about what do startups need to do going to conferences and tech events. Should they have business cards that shake a bunch of hands and host a lot of dinners? Or what's the way to get the message out about how exciting your company really is? I have special thank yous today, of course, to Elmar Kranz from DDI. Wonderful, Elmar. Beth Thebold, what a trooper you are. Great insights, and you sounded great. David Swanson from TechEd, have a great week in Vegas. Shout-outs to Liz Brenner, Tom Flanagan. Thanks for producing, helping me produce the show and putting it together and sponsoring it. Malcolm Kimberlin, my co-producer, was already at TechEd, and Brad and the Business Channel team, thanks for your support. Always getting us on the air. Guess what? Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for HR Trends with Game Changers. See you tomorrow right here on the Business Channel, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern, with Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. We'll be right back.